Hello and welcome. I'm Adrienne Barbeau, actress, author, and star of Creepshow, The Convent, and Tales of Halloween. And this is She Kills, a Shudder original podcast where we sit down and discuss all of the things we love about the genre that has given women some of the most iconic roles in film history. Religious undertones are nothing new to the horror genre. From The Exorcist to Carrie, we are rocked and terrified to our very core by the actual fear of God. To say nothing of the devil himself, the church has a history of marginalizing women within its ranks, which leaves little room for the portrayal of strong, empowered women within this subgenre. I wish I could tell you I prepared for my role in the convent by reading piles of research on demonic possession and the roles nuns play in that ritual, but I wasn't playing a nun. I was playing a female snake Pliskin, the hard-ass bitch who blows the nuns away, sent them to hell for their bad behavior. And boy, was it fun. With the recent release of The Nun, we invited Bonnie Ahrens, the nun herself, to join Axel Carolyn, horror actress, one of the directors of Tales of Halloween, which I had a great time doing, and a writer on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, to give us a little insight to their perspectives on this subgenre. Hello, I'm Bonnie Ahrens, and I'm an actress. I'm Axel Carolyn. I'm a filmmaker and writer, and I'm a huge horror fan. We asked them what films kicked off their love for the genre, and how does that play into their own work? Um, there's so many, and they change. You know, I love The Devil's Backbone. Mm -hmm. I love um, it yeah, I love everything Guillermo. <laughs> um, I love Babadook. Um, whatever happened to Baby Jane is one of my favorite. I don't know if you're going to consider that a horror film. You know, a lot of people do. I just, I, it's absolutely incredible. It freaks can, me out so it much, does? too. Yeah, it, does. it freaks you yeah. out. Yeah, I that scene it. where she's dancing and then she sees her reflection in the mirror and she freaks out. I'm like, oh, this is the saddest and most terrifying thing I've ever seen. It's incredible acting. Mm -hmm. I love it. I um yeah I agree it changes all the time there's so many different films and it's um but the one that seems to come back ever since I was a teenager is The Fly David Cronenberg's The Fly oh, I love, love that it. movie love that. it's the movie that taught me that you can have special effects that gross you out but also that make you cry mm -hmm. it's um it it really shows the range of emotions and the range of kind of metaphor that you can um, express through horror movies and it's it's a movie about a guy who turns into a giant fly but it's also a movie about a woman who sees the love of her life that she's just met kind of fall apart because of a disease and they can't do anything about it and it's incredibly touching and there's times of my life where I go back to it and I see the I see it differently or where I find it more touching than others you know sometimes some movies speak to you in different ways and, and that's one of the ones that always come back for me The Exorcist uh, yes The Exorcist <laughs> I guess and the Conjuring series. Yeah, The Nun. Yeah, that's the new one. <laughs> I've seen so many horror films that, you know, I, uh, the demon, I guess, comes quite easy for me. Uh, and uh, no, I just let it happen, you know. But the thing is about about The Nun, and you're talking exploitation and everything else. I mean, the character, the nun, she's some. It's a she's a monster, the demon, which is has so much power. She's so empowered, and the scream queens are two men, and the hero is a woman. And then the other people, other 
creatures around her are ghosts who are all women. So it's it's actually it's a different take on it on the whole thing because it's it's not the you know the the typical thing like with the the uh, the killer nun or something like that. Um, it's 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 very empowering to women. Yeah, and the nuns are not being tortured. There's nothing of that kind of weirdly fetishist kind of aspect to nun exploitation that you sometimes see. That it, it it treats the victims in a very different way. And I feel like there's a little bit of a reversal of roles in that re- regard this year um, because I'm thinking The Exorcist for example or all those exorcism movies one of the things that I, I just had the chance to be a writer on this Netflix show Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and we Fabulous. did um, <laughs> I love the show thank you I we did a, an exorcism episode yep. and it's maybe I'm missing a huge piece but it's the first time that I can remember seeing women exercising a man who's possessed yeah. uh, because usually it's always like and it's very oppressive and very um, kind of an expression of patriarchy in a way when you see those men who kind of tower over a little girl in bed and there's something very scary about that image I've always wanted to do a movie about like it's always strange that we think that the priest is the good guy and the psychologist is the bad guy and the doctors are the ones who don't understand what's going on when really if if you were a woman or a young girl who's going through issues and you have those men who just will beat the devil out of you very literally. It's terrifying. But yeah, in that episode of Sabrina, we got to do three or four women kind of exercising yeah. in men. But no, oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> it was the woman that came in and then actually killed them after they saved him. That's true. <laughs> Great show. Personally, I like anything that's supernatural. I just like when it's a different world and when there's something out of the ordinary that happens and it's not just the violence it's about something else i love ghosts that's my favorite subgenre so i'm kind of obsessed with that yeah you can make some beautiful ghost stories they're beautiful i mean in each each thing is a very different situation you know well women can give birth women are more emotional they take care of kids they have they're actually they're stronger and they're more sensitive than most men are so when you know, if you're writing it, if it's a male writer, he's going to more or less write the the woman as this character. Yeah, I feel like there's there's the flip side of that that you can look at that maybe men might think that women are more vulnerable and more susceptible to being possessed. And there's also that long history of hysteria, you know, women yeah. being too sensitive, women reacting against society and being branded, you know, whatever, like hysterical or or even possessed or there's there's a little bit of that but idea that it's, it's the guilty ones that are telling them that they're that. Yeah. It's just guilty men that are telling that the women that they're possessed and they're this and they're insane and they're hysterical. Well, and it's like witches. It's a, there's yeah. a woman in power all of a sudden. That yeah. must be something supernatural. <sighs> that must be diabolical. Oh, they're they're evil. They're mm-hmm. evil. They've got it's a woman in power. It's got to be bad. They're possessed. It's just a Fear. way of explaining why all of a sudden the woman would have power that they're not expected to have because they think that and I think that that's one of the purposes of religion too. And it's not that's not my idea. It's like a lot of anthropologists have studied that, but that the purpose of any religion is to keep women in the position of 
um, in an inferior position to men because, I mean, at the end of the day, they have the power to procreate. They have the power. They're the ones who are in charge of the amount of population that, you know, the size of a village, the amount of people who are going to be there. How are we, are we going to have enough resources? Are we going to have enough food if if women start having too many babies, for example? So, So since they have that power, I think that it's always been kind of since the dawn of time one of yeah. the purposes of men was to kind of keep women in check and making sure that they didn't, I don't know, like, whatever. <laughs> That's what I loved about the nuns so much. That there was all, so you have Sister Irene, but then there was all these other nuns that were actually ghosts. And sometimes they were, like, possessed by Valak. Sometimes, but they were there coming forth to help her. People absolutely love it because it's a great, it's great writing. It's a, you know, it's a, the Gary Doberman, the script writer, and it, this whole idea came from the brilliant mind of James Wan, like I popped right out of his head. Um, and it's, it's, people enjoy a really good story. And his, his stories, his films always have so much heart. And here it is, the flip side, it's all women-driven film. All women-driven film. He did the exact opposite. I have to admit that one of my favorite nun movies is The Convent. Oh, um, yeah. Ooh, the, oh, that was hilarious. Mike <laughs> Mendez. Oh, I love that. that yeah, so that was funny. like 2000, Mike Mendez. It's and so it's, funny. it's possessed nuns, but it's also the lead is also a woman, and she kind of yeah. saves the day, and she's a total badass. She's oh, yeah. Adrian it's Barbo. So she's just, it's so much fun. And that's kind of, that's, that's, um, uh, when I when I think of demonic nuns, that's that, the first one that usually pops to mind until the nun, you know, came oh, out. But it's it's interesting because I guess that within religious horror, you mostly have the dread. You mostly have uh, kind of folk horror, the, the scares of what people believe and, and and how that kind of it's more a sense of pervasive dread throughout the film. And and I can think of a few films like The Convent is definitely a good example of just like fun horror that has some good it's a perfect and, and example some, yeah and How visually looks really it. cool yeah. and, it's hilarious but, but generally speaking it, it's, it feels like it's more about kind of that mounting tension and, and yeah it's a different type of scares it's the challenge of the faith I mean in Dracula you know you have to have a cross or some garlic <laughs> <laughs> or bad breath <laughs> there you go <sighs> get him with the bad breath <laughs> Yeah, a new, a new monster, evil breath, um, and yeah, it's always with the faith that you have to believe that you have to draw your faith in to overcome the monster. You know, they're not using guns and this and that; they're using cross. Yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, really, but it's. I feel like it's a subgenre that questions kind of the basis of society. And it's not a very light subject matter. No. And maybe that doesn't naturally lend itself to fun kind of, I don't know. It, it, it's something that questions something that's very fundamental to us, I guess. And well, it's that, based on religion. Well, yeah, yeah. And what does religion Faith mean based. to us? And what does how does society... Uh, you know, try to um, use religion, how, what does it mean to what we believe, generally speaking, about ourselves? And there's so many wide questions that are brought up by the subgenre, and I'm not sure that, yeah, it's it's hard to make it fun at the same time as you question those kinds of, the questioning authority, questioning uh, the patriarchy, questioning so many different aspects of it. With nuns and women at the center of this subgenre, are these movies empowering for women? Well, that's a hard, well, 
Each case is, is very different, just like in the case of the nun. That didn't happen that way. It was completely the opposite. It's very empowering to women. Because there's an aspect to that that is about challenging the order. It's about challenging the, 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 uh, the fact that women are in different place or submitted to men or it's but I, I guess I guess yeah I guess you're right it depends from one film to another you can you can have that message that challenging the order is a good thing but most of the time if you have an exorcism movie for example you always go back to the natural order of things as mm-hmm. it is described in yep. those you go back to God is great and the priest has exorcised the demon and the demon is gone and the woman has gone back into the ranks of society and behaves like a normal woman again normal for whatever that means but um, yeah and in that sense it's very conservative actually i think there's room for anything that's well written (laughs) if it's well written there's room for it by the way isn't that interesting that the person that the woman turns to up until recently at least has always been a man has always been usually a priest but always someone in authority which I guess by definition up to a point had to be a a man Mm -hmm. and it's only now that you have characters like Adrian Barbeau again or Lin Shay in the Insidious movies or someone who's in touch with that other side and can help and and she's female and she uses her intuition and she uses qualities that are generally associated to women but it's 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 interesting um yeah, Rosemary's Baby is such a great example because I remember reading the book and having that sense that is in the movie, but even more so in the book of at that time in society, women couldn't go anywhere without someone else's permission. Mm-hmm. She goes to a doctor and the doctor calls the husband. I mean, how terrifying well, is that? She was surrounded by a whole occult of corrupt people but everywhere even, she turned Everybody, her neighbors, everything, everybody around her was in on it. Even the, 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 the doctor part. who's the good he guy, the, even the one who's was, not in on it, he that was just what people would do at the time. Your wife is hysterical. She's having a, a panic attack. I'm going to call the husband. I'm not going to trust a woman. I'm not going to believe her. I'm going to call a man who will be able to pick her up and just make sure that she's safe. I mean, that's really scary. It is funny because I was, I was kind of discussing that about something else recently, but I, it's... Um, the up until the late 70s, at least in Europe, I don't know how it was in America, but I know, for example, my mom was not allowed to have her own bank account. She had to what? have her oh. father sign on her bank account. And when she got married, her husband had to sign on her bank account. In so your, up what until, year are you talking about? I'm, I'm talking, talking late 70s, up until like 77, wow. something like that. She said she could not, she had to have another signature on her bank account, which means you could work, but you couldn't have your own money, or at least you could have it, but you couldn't do what you wanted with it. I mean, every step of where you were going had to be controlled one way or another. And then when you think of horror, which by That's definition, yes, and by definition has to be something where you have to escape and you have to call for help. If you're never believed and if you can never escape and you never have your own means, like women were trapped. They were the perfect victims in some ways. I still remember a nun when I was maybe eight or nine and she was, I remember someone asked her if she was getting married and she said, I married Jesus. And I still remember the way that she said that, that felt like she was talking about a a human she was in love with. And I remember as a little girl finding that weird. I was like, Jesus? You're married to Jesus? What? (laughs) Having grown up and 
uh, gone to Catholic school and, and being taught by nuns and having to wear a new uniform. And I've always been very rebellious. So to uh, me, there's that part of like, well, there's that. Now this is the transgressive thing that's going to make fun of, of that. And I, I used to love, like, I would try to push the limits of what I could wear with my uniform. Like I'd have really? like little medallions with skulls on them or cool. things like that when I was a teenager that they would always hate. <laughs> I'll be, be very upset about. Um, and I feel like that's kind of just an extension of that rebellious teenage nature. But I also think that I didn't grow up. I guess I lost faith when I was about 11, maybe, which is about the time that I really started being into horror. Mm -hmm. And I think that somehow for me, the fact that I don't believe in something that gives me hope in an afterlife is perhaps what makes it so appealing to think that there might be ghosts or that not that I, I don't believe in ghosts either but I love the thought of a world where that could happen I love the idea that this is a possibility and maybe that's just kind of the counterbalance to my lack of religion you know it's a certain you know the genre has gives you that type of of entertainment it's art it's incredible art like I remember going uh, and seeing uh, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead which that is like I can't recall anything too funny. And I remember my mother, I didn't go to school. My mother said, oh, okay, she's not going to go to school. I was having a hard time. She took, took me to the movie theater. I skipped school. And, and I'm, you know, wow. And it's so well done. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And then at the end, when the hero got got killed, Ben, I, like, lost it. I threw myself on the floor of the theater screaming, no, no, not Ben, no, no, they killed, when they killed the hero off. Um, but, I mean, it's so it was so unrealistic. Here you have the zombies, the virus. Well, the viruses are not unrealistic. But here he is. The, the, everyone's turning into these zombies and eating everybody else, and it just is... It's so well done. And how great is it when... A movie actually takes you out of your own life. Yeah. And it's so unusual. I don't get scared very easily, but I was very disturbed when I went to see Hereditary. And oh, it's, that was that But was how good. awesome is it when instead of thinking work is stressful or I'm worried about someone's health or yeah. I'm heartbroken or suddenly you spend the night right. just thinking, that character in that movie couldn't handle what happened to them. Or, oh my God, remember when that thing was crawling on the ceiling. It's just... I, it does it, take you away. Yeah, it really does. Horror movies take you away from all the other crap. Yeah, it's a big escape. When I do The Conjuring 2, well, that was just... Uh, they put me in... After, when they were in post, they didn't like the movie. They switched the monster out. They had they had a different monster in there. So I just worked five days on it. So it's not that much makeup on me at all. And I have people that, oh, they see me and they just get scared. <laughs> but they did that before the nun. They did that before I did The Conjuring 2. They did that to me. You know, I, 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 I'm wearing more makeup in The Princess Diaries than I am in... I am. <laughs> In, in in the nun and in the I'm wearing more makeup in Princess I remember I remember talking about a kid I, when the Princess Diaries the first one came out, I remember going to the theater and I'm in a packed theater with I'm talking packed little girls wall to wall little girls and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden when my face comes on I mean the screaming and the carrying on. Ah, that's the ugliest woman I've ever seen. Ah! And they didn't shut up for like the longest time. And that, you know, and then I came out and, ah, and I'm just sitting there going, this is the happiest day of my life. <laughs> yep, I'm the ugly. I didn't say a word to nobody. 
Have you ever got the chance to do that thing where like people are in the theater and they're talking and you just turn around and they see your face and like, oh, yes, I, I guess I have. <laughs> I love it. That's why I kept going, but I love it. It's hilarious. <laughs> they didn't shut up for like the longest time. And that, you know, and then I came out and, ah, and I'm just sitting there going, this is the happiest day of my life. <laughs> yep, I'm the ugly. I didn't say a word to nobody. What other performances in horror stand out in your mind? The performances that stopped you in your tracks? I might have to go with The Fly again. <laughs> yeah, The Fly. Those performances just... in The Fly, I mean, both of them. He's just about the most lovable character you can possibly see. He's her. so wonderful. And she is, you fall in love with her right away, and she's so real, and she's so strong, but at the same time put in a position where you understand all her despair and all her angst. And I just, I, it's one of the most incredible couples on screen ever. I mean, they were a real-life couple, too, mm-hmm. but, but besides the fact that they had that chemistry, they're just incredibly perfect in the roles. In Hereditary? Oh, God. Of no. course. I might go with a different actor on that one, though. Because okay. Jenny Collette is great, but the kid, the boy, oh, he is was wonderful. Really yeah, he was really Yeah, good. very subtle and very, yeah. And the way that he copes with what happens to him, that huge event at the beginning of the film. <gasps> I've never I've seen someone react like that on screen, and that traumatized me. I Actually, I thought the thing that was the most impacting in the film to me was the very end when they started playing uh, the Joni Mitchell song uh, 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 Clouds mm-hmm. what was it? Clouds they started playing mm-hmm. the, uh, both sides now and it was so unexpected that I was literally like this that from the this this the last scene in the movie you know she's chopping off her head and all this and the yeah. cult thing and everybody and, and then and then you have both sides now playing. Mm-hmm. It, I actually started cracking up, but it, nobody else did. <laughs> there was a lot of nervous laughter in the theater when I went to see it. It was, it was actually, I think it was Mike Mendez's birthday, and at the end of it, we all started singing happy birthday when the credits started rolling <laughs> because everyone was so traumatized by the movie that it was just hilarious to have that sudden release. Um, I... Maybe this is off topic. I don't know. You you can judge. But I remember hearing this really interesting take on Hereditary, which I feel really bad because I can't remember where I heard it, so I can't credit the right person, unfortunately. But it was basically that it's about this final boy who, instead of being like a final girl, someone who's had to fight to survive, is someone who survives only because of the privilege of their gender. He has been, this demon wanted to possess a male body, and that's the only reason why the women get destroyed and the men at the end is adored and treated like a god because he's suddenly possessed, and that's the only reason why he's kind of surviving. Possess his body. Yeah, that was... was, Yeah, and in weird ways makes it kind of a about male privilege, or you could see it in the opposite direction, and just saying it's about. Sp- like, as far as storytelling, it was a very good story. It was very complex. And yes, very, yeah, it does. I mean, it's about belief. It's anything that's about a belief system, one way or another. Whether you worship an ancient god or whether you worship, yeah. you know, there's a lot of a uh, major European religion. Great, there's a lot of great Japanese horror films, and they they take Buddha and this and you know and and ghosts and the whole the whole thing. 
I don't remember Under the Shadow well enough, but I'm sure there's some yeah. really interesting stuff in there yeah. about the way that the woman is generally treated, about the way that she's trying to rebel against it, and mm-hmm. and the way that it, it, it seems to somehow manifest as this supernatural creature that represents her oppression. And it, so it doesn't need to be Christianity. It's kind of, it's universal. Yeah. And to me, that's the side of religious horror that's the scariest. Personally, I mean, as a person who doesn't have faith, I guess that's always going to be the case. But if I'm not specifically scared of the demon or if I'm not specifically scared of the supernatural force, I'm going to be scared of the power that this religion seems to give to a group of people who will do anything to um, enact their faith and and, and whatever they believe in and enforce it upon you and and, and treat you differently because of their own beliefs. And Um, does watching a horror film without the faith is it still as fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Because you take it for the supernatural value that it has. It's like, I, I'm sure most people who are scared, well, I don't know if most, but a lot of people who watch ghost movies don't believe in ghosts and they still get scared. And, and I don't believe in ghosts. And yet, if you ask me at three in the morning if I want to see some entity floating <laughs> in my living room, hell no. <laughs> a lot Start. of people think that the bum in Mulholland Drive that I played is just, this, you know, they think that that's a horror film. Actually, Mulholland Drive is not a horror. It's horrific. It's what happened. Um... And what's going on? I I still haven't figured out what's going on, but it's uh. <laughs> We're all every, still working on it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, every time you watch the movie, you see something different, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if the bum is whatever. If the bum is the the the, the angel, the or or the devil. Bonnie, you're awesome. Oh, you are so awesome. <laughs> I wish you would have brought your dog. Well, yes. Well, maybe that's a shout out to my dog. <laughs> She's a wonderful actress, too. <laughs> <laughs> she has the most beautiful dog. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much, Bonnie and Axel. The Convent wasn't released theatrically in the U.S., which is a shame because it won all kinds of awards in Europe. And I just love hearing fans' reaction to it when they discover it on VOD. It's one of my favorites. And in this time of women standing up for themselves, it's interesting to see director Mike Mendez was ahead of his time. And come on, who doesn't love a possessed demon dog? I'm Adrienne Barbeau, and this has been She Kills, a Shudder original podcast, executive produced by Blair Bercy, Killian Van Rensler, Jordana Freyberg, and Deborah Henderson. Hosted by Adrienne Barbeau. Associate produced by Nancy Himmel. Supervising producer, Cara Frias. Featuring interviews with Bonnie Ahrens and Axel Carolyn. Sound recording, design, and mixing by Iceman Audio. Production sound mixing and re-recording mixing by Evan Menick. Supervising sound editing and re-recording mixing by Michael Capuano. Composed by Doug Bossy. Music by I Spy Music. Production Manager, Kay Tinder. Production Legal, Jordan Rock. Production Accounting, Stephen D. Smith. For Shudder, Owen Shiflett, Robin Jones, and Nicholas Lazo. She Kills. The characters and events depicted in this podcast are fictional. Any similarity to any actual person living or dead, or to any actual events, firms, places, and institutions or other entities, is coincidental and unintentional. This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries, and its unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability and criminal prosecution. Country of first publication, United States of America. She Kills. 
Copyright 2018, Digital Store, LLC. All rights reserved.